I'll tell you, I feel like there's times as Christians where we look around the world and say, oh my goodness, it's all falling apart. Anybody feel like that sometimes? I want to encourage you about something. When, when we see that, you can take courage knowing that when the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises a banner against that. And it's us. You didn't, maybe you didn't know that, but we are the solution to the problem in the world. And I, I believe this more than ever that he is bringing in a harvest. And I, I see it. I see flashes of it. We see people coming to Christ. Uh, we are having a baptism service coming up, and we're going to baptize even more people. I'm excited about that. And I see other churches growing, and I'm excited about that. And I, I, I just want us to understand and kind of frame this for you guys. I feel like uh, there have been times, and God can do whatever he wants. However he brings in the harvest, I'm on board. But I really do feel like this harvest is going to be a little bit different because it's going to involve you sharing your faith with your friends and neighbors and coworkers and people you go to school with, the people who you're around all the time. That was his plan from the beginning. You realize that, right? Have you ever thought this? And maybe you've talked to somebody or maybe somebody asked you a question and they said, hey, I want you to come talk to my friend. And, and then you think, man, wouldn't it be easier though if we could just dial up Jesus and say, hey, two o'clock, I'll meet you there. And then he will walk in and answer every question and heal every hurt. And wouldn't that be awesome? Why didn't he do it that way? Why didn't he do it that way? Do you ever wonder that? Why did he say, I have to leave? He said, I have to leave so that, so that the comforter will come. And then he said, you now are commissioned to do this work. That was his plan. Now, granted, I know like most of us, we look around and we're like, he would be way better at it. I get that. But that's not his plan. He wanted to multiply his influence around the entire globe, and it's you spreading the gospel, you. You acting as Christians and doing, doing things that change the world. Now, of course, that does make us strange, right? We talked about that last week. And the last three sermons, you guys remember what last week was about? Someone came up to me today right before church, and they're like, are you going to quiz us again? Because I think I remember now. What did we talk about last week? Yes, we are Christ's ambassadors. And you're compelled by love to share his faith. That's right. And the week before, we talked about how we're supposed to deny ourselves and follow Christ. And we talked about the week before how sin is real. It's, it's real. And it's a cancer in your soul that desperately needs Jesus to be saving you. That's what we need. Which is so countercultural Because our culture says something totally different. It says something totally different. And... It says that feelings are the ultimate guide and happiness is the ultimate goal. And it says that judging is the ultimate sin and that God then becomes the ultimate guess. So I asked you last week, I'm going to ask you again. What's your ultimate guide? Is it feelings? What's your ultimate goal? Is there a standard outside of yourself that determines proper behavior and right behavior? Have you ever noticed that you can't really evaluate even what your guide and your goal is without judging. So judging can't be all bad because we have to judge to do those things. But it does make you kind of crazy. Because if you're going to follow Jesus instead of your feelings, you're crazy. Right? And if you're in this world at least. And if you're going to realize what your sin is, be sorry about it and not celebrate it. In our world, it makes you look crazy. And if, if your happiness is going to be found in Christ and denying yourself, that's really, really crazy, isn't it? Our world is like that today. So if you're going to look for all that, and I, what I want to do today is, um, oh, it's funny how God leads pastors sometimes. 
As I was looking at these verses that I really wanted to touch on today, I felt like, well, I can't talk about this without talking about the ones before it. I've told you before, never read a Bible verse, right? At least not one, because they're tied together. And Paul, as he was writing his letters to the churches, in fact, this letter we're going to look at is in the book of Ephesians. And this particular church, Paul planted it and, and grew it for three years before he left. So he writes this letter back to them. He's actually writing from prison. This would have been one of, he, he was actually imprisoned in Rome, we believe, twice. This would have been during his first imprisonment. Then he was released and then arrested again. And then it was after that that he was martyred. So it would have been in that first imprisonment that he was there. So he writes this to these Ephesians. And uh, what's so weird about it, the more I kept reading, you know, anytime you come to a therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. So then you read the verse before, and then it says, for, I'm telling you for, like, okay, well, what's that for? And so you keep going back. So uh, we're going to do a little bit of a survey here, starting in chapter two, and then working our way to what I really wanted to talk about in chapter four. But as we do that, you'll see how it all flows together, because he wrote it as a letter, not to just be cherry-picked. I know we have favorite verses. There are sections we're going to emphasize. I get that. But as you're reading the word, make sure you understand that there are multiple things that go into this. And he's writing. And and as Paul writes, it's so full of truth. Here's what was weird. As I kept reading verse after verse, I kept thinking, this, I don't know a whole lot about the time Paul was writing in and Ephesus. We know it's in Asia Minor. We know it's in modern day Turkey now. But the world he's describing is so much like our world. It's eerie. It's almost as if you're reading it and thinking, is he writing about here today? Because the people he's writing about, he's talking about is as if they're literally swimming in sin. It's like the water that the fish swim in. Have you ever thought about this? Do fish know they're wet? Probably not, right? That's their environment. That's their world they live in. They don't know they're swimming in water. That's their world. It's only when you cruelly put a fish hook in their mouth and jerk them out of there and they're flopping all around and they're suffocating and you're trying to get that hook out (laughs) that they realize this isn't right. That's the air that they breathe. They're saturated in it. But the same in our world today. Think about what our whole world breathes in and out and preaches day and night and shows us in videos and you see on movies and TV and commercials and you need this product that'll make you happy and this'll get you all the girls and this is how you're gonna look pretty and all of it is comes down to this world is swimming in this. It's selfishness and power and subjective morality. I decide what's true and right for my life. And what's so weird is you've got this subjective morality, like I'm going to tell you what's right and wrong, but then it also seems to nowadays be joined with a very, very uh, graceless moralism. It's like they want you to not be judgmental, but they're going to be judgmental. And then when you say, wait a minute, then you're, uh, it's all around us. You ever notice that sometimes though, it's, Christians, we see the symptoms of all these things, but then the, and they, they recognize at times the symptoms, but they don't want to acknowledge the cause. You ever notice sometimes we just treat symptoms and not the cause? You may be running around and maybe you have a cough. I know my throat feels funny today. I'm sure it's, you know, the allergies and the wind blowing, but a lot of times we'll just treat that and we don't get enough sleep and eat right and take care of it, right? There's causes behind these things. The world has symptoms too, and the symptoms are so obvious. But have you noticed people don't like pointing those things out in the world? Do you like it? I mean, if, 
I don't know who it would be in your life, maybe your spouse or maybe your kids, a good friend or parent, maybe, points out, hey, something's not going right. How many like that when that happens? Not one hand. Huh, shocking. Right? We don't like that. I don't like when people tell me, hey, you could do this better, or this isn't great, or I wish this wasn't this way. I mean, nobody likes that. How, about, how do you feel about it when somebody points it out in your kids? That's always awkward, isn't it? How do you like it when, uh, when you have to be the one pointing it out? It's horrible, isn't it? Have you ever noticed this, though? We, we don't see our own issues too clearly, do we? We walk around with these blind spots and we don't see it. Because what happens is you get so used to the environment that you no longer notice it anymore. It's just the world you live in. and the, It's just how it is. Years ago, I, I, was, I had a group of students. We had gone to Mexico and we worked with this one church for, for probably 15 years in a row. We did so many things for them over the years and we had a wonderful relationship. And, and there came a point where we thought we knew better than them. We never, you never do that, right? And as Americans, we, they ask us to build a, dig a new outhouse. So we thought, well, it, the truth is too, our kids were so eager. We, we dug one and we were done. And I'm like, hey, we got another day here. I need things for these kids to do. Hey, let's dig another one. So we dug two outhouses next to each other. They didn't need that. The church wasn't that big. So we came back the next year and they had filled it with trash, and, uh, which was fine, except for some of our kids are like, they just made our, our outhouse a trash pit. And I'm like, yeah. And then, then the next year, the church had grown. And they said, you know what? Actually, we do need that second one. Can you clean it out? <laughs> so a couple of the boys who had been so eager, you know, they're like, I'll do it. So the two young men and me, we... Um, we, dug, we cleaned that outhouse out. And it was deep. They'd overdug it. I mean, it was 12 feet deep. It was ridiculous. We had to tie two ladders together. And so we're working in there. And we first start getting into that trash. Can I be honest with you? We were gagging. Gagging. Just the smell. I mean, it had been there for years. And it was gross. It was just gross. And uh, we're cleaning it out. But it was so weird. Then, then lunchtime came. And we started walking over to where the rest of the group was eating lunch. We probably got five feet from them. And they're like, whoa, what are you guys doing? They're like, we're hungry. And they're like, you, we can smell you from here. They're like, what are you talking about? And we had gloves on, we had boots on, you know, and, and they're like, you guys smell really, really, really bad. I'm like, no, we don't. It's sad. They threw our food to us. <laughs> they're like, here, catch this, you know. So we caught it, and then um, we, <laughs> they wouldn't let us ride in the van with them. We had to borrow a truck from the church and ride in the back of the truck to get back to the campground. And then we threw our clothes away, and we didn't know this. We, we intended to throw them away, then they burned them. Our kids burned them. And then uh, we got out of the showers, and we came back to eat dinner, and they're like, you guys still smell. What happened? What happened? We had gotten so used to the sin around us. Oh, oh, I mean the trash around us, the filth around us, that we didn't notice that it had, it had clung to us, and it was now part of us, and we had become used to it. We didn't even smell it anymore. We live in a world that they're, they're swimming in this, and certainly they don't want you to point it out or notice it, but the danger is as Christians and people of faith, we also don't smell it as bad. I'm going to show you a clip, a video clip. This clip is, is a comical clip, and the clip originally, it's about, it's, it's about how men and women communicate different. And it's, it's a comical clip. Some of you have probably seen it before, but it, it's, 
The, what I want you to do is I want you to see it in terms of the world. In the clip, basically it's illustrating the fact that the, the, the lady in the clip, she just wants to express what's going on and, and how she's upset about something. And guys, they have this tendency to just want to fix things. And she's basically saying, can you just listen to me? And he's like trying to point out the problem. That's a, it's a good relationship um, clip to show because guys do that. I, I know some ladies who they intentionally tell their husband, they're like, Hey, I'm going to tell you something, but I just want you to listen this time. Like, no fixing, just listen. And it works out good because the guy's like, okay, I know my job. I'm good. We're simple like that. If you would just be honestly, just tell us exactly what to do, we'd probably be fine. I want you to look at this clip different, though. Because it, maybe you haven't noticed it, maybe you have. But we are in a very toxic relationship with our world today. We can clearly see the problem, but they do not want to hear it from you. It's worse than that, though. They not only want you to listen, but they want you to celebrate it. So let's take a look at this clip. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like... There's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just... Don't... Okay. Oh, goodness. All right, so maybe you've noticed it. The world has a problem. But they don't want to hear it from you. I'll be honest with you. But it's everywhere. And we can point to the problems. They're glaring. Have you seen what's happening in our schools? Have you seen the issues coming up with school boards? I mean, it's, it just keeps coming. I mean, I saw another one yesterday where dads were reading from books that are in the library that are literally pornographic. And as they're reading them, you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening. I mean, there are books like that that promote homosexuality, pedophilia. We've got alternative lives. I, I don't know if you followed this at all, but just even redefining proper sex the way God intended. So there's a thing called poly... Uh, amorous, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but basically couples that have multiple uh, men and women in a, in a family, in a relationship. And you may think it's just not everywhere, but it actually is. Uh, there was a, one of the singing competitions. You know how they do the little vignettes on the people, and the person was talking about it, and they said, this is my family, and they're like, oh, that's interesting. They're all like the same age. He goes, well, no, this is my, my husbands and wives. We're all married, and everybody cheers. Uh, they had one of those relationships featured on uh, the TV show SWAT, you know, about LAPD. This has been a couple years ago. There's a new series on Showtime. 
I've mentioned this a couple times. There's even a move, and it's been going on for years, but a move to redefine sexual preferences of pedophilia to minor attracted persons. If you haven't heard of that, MAPS, California just passed a bill. Um, I heard it was in the legislature, but it just passed, that states that non-forcible, I'm just going to say homosexual acts with minors do not require mandatory sex offender registration unless there's a 10-year gap. You can do the math, right? I mean, an 18-year-old, as long as the kid's nine, is no longer a sexual predator. I put the link in our notes just in case you wanted to read a story about that. These things are obvious, but if you point it out, just like Jesus warned, you will be accused and you will be judged for pointing out the obvious. You want to say, hey, there's a nail. But what's the solution to that? What's the solution to the problem? The problem is it's a sin issue and it's, it's a heart issue. The problem is, is broad and we see the symptoms, but the, the, the solution isn't something people necessarily want. <clears throat> They've grown comfortable with the nail. They've grown comfortable with the trash pile and it is what it is. Here's the book of Ephesians. Paul writes to this church and he says, once you were dead Because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. I don't know if you realize this, but he's, saying, he's talking to a church here. And he's saying, you used to live like this. So it's not as if we're standing here and saying, we're better than everybody else. That's not it. The difference is, we've acknowledged the sin and we want to change and live better. Now, it doesn't mean we're perfect. Certainly not. And it doesn't mean that things have changed. But it's a scary thing to look at these things in the world because there are issues all around us. We see it. We were aware of it. And we decry these things, and we, we want to make sure that the church is living right, too. When it says that you once were like this, what's he talking about? He's talking about Christians who've been redeemed. Yes, we lived in sin, but now we have been redeemed. And we're working at staying redeemed. Think about the issues. There's some things that are hidden that we don't talk about a whole lot. You know, porn, infidelity, gluttony, idolatry, putting anything over God himself. Gossip, division. The point is, we've all sinned. We've all sinned. And just like the world, we used to live like that. We used to live in sin. Going back to Ephesians. But God, but God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much. That even though we were dead in our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point us in all future ages as examples of incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. (laughs) It's so crazy to think, yes, we were dead in our sins, but God gave Jesus as a redemption so we don't have to stay that way. I'll tell you, when we were trying to, to wash that smell off of us, we scrubbed over and over and over. 
It doesn't come off easy sometimes because it's a lifestyle and it's a way of life. And God, in his great mercy, he showed us grace and he came to us while we were still in sin. He came to us, yes, with Jesus. I can't wait for Christmas. I love it. It's my favorite holiday season. The idea that God would come and be the redemption and come in the form of a baby. But do you remember when he came for you? Do you remember when you first were redeemed and you first became aware of your sin and how it had separated you from God and how you needed his forgiveness to join you together with him again? Do you remember that? Do you remember the freeing feeling of grace where your sin was laid down and you were free? nothing like it it's the greatest miracle we will ever see and the life he gives in god it gives us then the capacity to live for him we could never do it on our own none of us are good enough none of us could ever figure it out but in his death he suffered for sin and then he removed that barrier between us and god and he made the way directly to god you were dead and now you were alive you were away from god and now you have been brought near You were left in your own sin and selfishness, but he gave so that you could be one of us. We used to be outsiders, but now we're insiders. Have you noticed how desperately human beings want to belong? Have you noticed? You watch kids on a playground. Maybe the new kid walks up. Have you noticed that? And all the kids are playing, and the new one walks up, and they're just standing there. They're waiting to be invited in. They're wondering, is someone going to see me? Are they going to notice me? Are they going to say anything? And have you ever seen, it just makes my heart sing, when you see one kid break away from the group and they're like, hi, do you want to play with us? We are included. He's included us in the family of God. We crave it. And it's, it's sad, but people, people don't always feel that. They don't always get included. I wonder sometimes how... How are we doing on that as a church? Is everybody welcome? I know how it works. We tend to group with people that are similar. Similar interests, similar backgrounds, similar hobbies, maybe age or stage of life. I know how that works. It's not wrong. We also group by other groupings. Blue collar, white collar, socioeconomic. Sometimes income, sometimes race. Christianity is supposed to be free of that. Everybody's welcome. Everybody. Everybody. Free of class, gender, race distinctions. You know, really those categories, they, they serve to divide in different political, uh, different political systems, like Marxism, for instance, has tried to, use, um, tried to use class and envy, that kind of thing, to separate people. And recently we've seen a lot of that. Are there problems? Yes. Can we fix them? Yes. Yes. In Christ, we can. The problem is, you know, you look at systems and you blame the systems, but the problem is there's people in the systems, and it's the people. It's us. We have seen the problem, and we are it. It's our hearts, our commitment. Look at how Paul continues to talk about this. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles, and even saying that term, that was a term of separation. I I kid around a lot of times. I'll walk into a room, and I say, hello, Gentiles. And most of the time, they look at me. They don't understand what I'm, it's really funny if you get what I'm saying. Um, all I'm saying is this, that the Jews looked at it like this, like we're Jews and everybody else. (laughs) It's like us and everybody else. It was such a dividing thing. But Paul here is talking to a Gentile non-Jewish church. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. 
You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of facility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law and its commandments and regulations. And he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people. From the two groups, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility to each other was put to death. Paul is making a reference here to something that the Ephesians may not have even known about. If you look at this picture on the screen, this shows what the temple would have looked like in Jesus' day. And if you look at this on the screen, you'll see, do you see that little wall that goes around? That was the separation. The Gentiles had to be out here, and only the Jews could go in the other side. Do you see what, what it meant? You could not access God. They could, but you could not. You were physically removed. And what Paul says is that Jesus, in his death, broke down that wall. And there's no longer, not only any separation between us, but we have direct access to God the Father. And then he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because what Christ has done. That unity is something that makes you crazy in this world. Because the world wants to separate us. It wants to separate us in every single way it can. I refuse it. I'm not going to let the world separate me from anybody. And certainly not believers in Christ. We are to be united. Just as an aside, verse 18 is such a cool verse because it shows the gospel and the Trinity in one verse. Let me read that to you again. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Son, or through the same Holy Spirit, because of what Christ has done. So you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you have the gospel laid out word for word. It's an incredible verse. So what I'm going to do is take all that. Paul does, he says some other things in chapter 3, but then in chapter 4, he has the big therefore. He summarizes some things. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Your calling. You as Christians, in a world that calls you crazy, he's calling you to something different. And he makes these lists of things he wants us to do. He says... Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope in the future. That is very countercultural. Do you see that? If you live like this as Christians, you will be different in a world that wants division and separation and anger and strife. He wants us to be humble and gentle, patient, allowing for the faults of others, unity and peace. And he goes on. It's with the Lord's authority I say this. Live no, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from God, far from the life God gives, because they have closed their minds and hardened 
their hearts against him. Does that sound familiar? They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. This term right here, throw off, it literally means pick it up and throw it away. Throw it off. Throw it off. I know it's not the same thing, but I was thinking about when we were throwing our clothes off. Not, that's weird, but I mean, we, were, we wanted them as far away as us that we could get. As far away as we could get. And we had to laugh as kids came and picked them up with sticks and put them in the fire. But I like that illustration. Throw it off. Get rid of it. It's all it's going to do is corrupt you. And then let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you think like Jesus. The more time you spend in his word, the more you know his will for you and his ways. That is the key. Time spent with Jesus. Word, prayer, meditation. Spend the time. Then he goes on. He says, stop telling lies. He he says a bunch of things. Let me just read the summary. Stop telling lies. Don't let anger control you. Quit stealing, use your hands for good, hard work, give generously, don't use foul or abusive language, let everything you say be good and helpful, encouraging. Listen to this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, and instead be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I'm going to ask Pastor Nick to join me here for a second. Did you catch all that? All those things? Doesn't that sound like the way of Christ? And it sounds so countercultural. That's why Paul said that the verse we looked at last week, it, if it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if, our, if we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. You want to be crazy? Then live like Jesus. It's crazy. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. I mentioned earlier the graceless moralism in the world today. It's shocking to me how unforgiving it is. Yet, is it, though, surprising? Because isn't that our nature? To hold a grudge and to be angry? Jesus says to forgive. I read this quote this week, and it just stopped me in my tracks. It said this, you can't carry the cross and carry an offense. Whoa. When I first heard it, I thought, man, that's pretty cut and dried. I can't carry the cross of Christ and be a disciple of Christ and carry an offense. Actually, Jesus said that. He said that. If, he said, if you have unforgiveness in your heart put your, and you're, you're at the temple, put your offering down, go make that right, and then come offer the sacrifice. He said, you have to forgive to be forgiven. Man, I want you all to live crazy, crazy Christianity. A crazy Christianity that has no bitterness, no rage, no anger, no harsh words, no slander. None of those things. That you live completely different. Yes, we live in a world that, and we're, we're around the world all the time. But it should be our job at every moment to say, wait, what would Jesus do here? What does his word say about this? 
What is the right attitude I should have? How should I do this? My prayer to you, I want to read it like Paul did. He said, therefore, I, a prisoner serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. I beg you to do that. And when you do that, you will be a light in this world that cannot be put out. You will, well, what's true too is you will illuminate the darkness and they will not like that. So be prepared for pushback. That's, Jesus promised that anyway. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes. I have two questions and then a challenge for you again. My first question is to those of you who are believers. How are you doing? How are you doing in these things? Are you living a life worthy of your calling? Have you let some of the world get on you and you, you don't smell great? If that is you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. What I am going to ask you to do is ask that God to change you. Because he will. First John 4 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all of righteousness. First John 1 night. He will cleanse us from all sin and unrighteousness. It's what he does. So let's do that. Let's pray together. If anybody here needs that prayer for you, this prayer is for you. And then we'll, I'll ask a couple more questions. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whatever it is that we have let get in us, whether it's an attitude or an action or a habit of sin or something that we're doing that is not of you, that you would, your Holy Spirit right now in this moment would convict us of that and we would repent and be clean in the name of Jesus. We ask for your forgiveness. We want you to examine our hearts this morning and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And God, we thank you for the freedom in that. We thank you, Lord God, that when we pray and ask that, that you heal and cleanse completely. With your eyes so closed, I just want to ask this question. I, I never want to go a week and not ask. I'm just wondering if anybody here you never know what it's going to be that is going to change someone's heart. But if anybody here, you've heard these things today, and maybe, maybe God is whispering to you, the Holy Spirit's talking to you in a way that maybe it's an impression, whatever it is. But you know that it's your time, and you want to be forgiven. You want to join, you want to join Christ's body. Anybody at all, you'd like to raise your hand, and we'll pray with you this morning. Anybody at all. If you would stand with me, I want to close today in a time of prayer up here at the front. If those of you who help us pray, you're on the prayer team or staff or, or board and spouses, if you would join us up front, I want to encourage you, if you need prayer for anything, maybe for you, you've been living in this world and it's tough and you need help. You just want someone to stand with you. Maybe for you, it's, it's um, something you can't even verbalize. That's fine too. Maybe you'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit or any need at all. I would like you to come forward and we'll pray with you right now. Don't hesitate. Come now and we will pray. And then I'll dismiss us all in a minute. If you need prayer for anything, though, come on down.
ladies down here are going to continue to pray. I want to close our service today with a uh, blessing right out of Ephesians. This is Paul talking to this church, and he says this. Now, a glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. My challenge to you is to plant some seeds today, tomorrow, all week long. God bless you.